0: Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah.
1: And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between.
0: Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. And hello to all our listeners. Hello to any new listeners that we might have. We are on to episode 56 today. And we are going to be talking all about subplots. Shall
1: be very interesting. I haven't really we haven't really touched on this before, except once in a one of the author spotlight interviews, I think.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting talk about something that's actually a really key part yeah. of the yeah, novel. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, But before we go into that, we should probably have a chat about what we're up to and a quick writing update so you guys can hear all about what we're doing with our novel at the moment. How has your writing been recently, Ashley?
1: Well, it has been a little bit slow, but also not slow, if that makes any sense. I'm stuck in chapters that require a lot of research, which is why it has been slow, been spending a lot of time trawling the literature for certain, I don't know, facts about random historical figures and places and battle formations and battles and religious things. It's, it's just been a lot. So that's been slowing me down a bit, but I did finish it well. Again, the chapter I was writing last time after reviewing the number of chapter points, we quickly realized that it was much too long to be one chapter. So it's been split into two chapters and I finished the first half of that and am 800 words into the second chapter or the second half of the one that was supposed to be one. So that's okay. So it kind of feels like I've done one chapter in a bit, but it also sometimes feels like I've only done half a chapter because I'm still on the same chapter plan. But other than that, it's been... It's been okay. I'm quite, I'm happy with the progress.
0: What about you, Sarah? I steamed ahead with my Cassie chapter that I was writing from our character's perspective, who's in the present. I think last time I had written maybe about half. Uh, so I managed to finish the other half of that chapter. And I think I wrote like 2000 words in a day or something crazy, which I have not done for a very long time before it's that. very impressive. So, I haven't
1: even done that. And
0: I was—I don't even know if I have, to be honest. I, I mean, I know some people do that regularly, but for me, you know, that's a, like a good amount for me is like 500 words in a day. Like I'll be happy with that. But a couple thousand, I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> so I was really happy. And then I started my next one, which is... In the past and that i mean i I managed to get 500 or so words down but i feel like it's going to be a bit slower just because i don't gel with this character (laughs) as much and there's generally more research to do with the past chapters yeah and it's awkwardly sandwiched between two that are already written so it's a little bit more i guess i was hoping that was going to make it faster to be honest because I kind of know you know where it's got to end and where it's okay. going to start. Hopefully. But we'll I see. I was
1: worried it was going to be a bit
0: constrained. It's in the middle and I'll be like, oh shit, I don't know how what to do now. There's no guideline <laughs> except for the chapter plan which to be honest, I'm not very good at paying attention to those. I do like had the points just not in order all or... of them. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I'll be like, ah, that one's not really necessary. Skip that. <laughs> Skim past it. Or yeah, if it's at the end and it's like I've written over the amount of words that I need to, I'll be like, hey, Ashley, can you include this in the next chapter? But I can't do that this <laughs> time because the next chapter is already written. And the next chapter is also quite long, I think. But anyways, so that's where I'm at. And then, of course, we've had the When the Rain Falls which is due to come out on the 1st of December, everyone. So Countdown is on. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's actually available for pre-order at the moment as well. You can go and pre-order it from Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble. There's a number of different retailers that are now on pre-order. I'm looking forward to seeing it yeah. myself. I haven't even seen like the actual paperback yet. I'm so excited. So excited. It is an amazing feeling. So... I can't wait until you have one, like, literally in I'm your so hands. I can't wait. Because it's a different feeling from, like, seeing a picture of it.
1: I was so excited when Sarah sent me, like, the video of when she got the proof. I was, like, running around to my lab mates. I'm like, look at it. We have to distance. They're two meters away. And I'm like, look. <laughs> look. And they're like, what is it? I'm like, it's my book. It's like a book. They're like, okay, cool.
0: It's very exciting. Anyways, we should probably continue with the main topic for this discussion? Yes. Subplots. Yes.
1: I thought the easiest place to start, as we tend to do with a lot of these main episodes, is just giving a definition of what subplots are. So we're all on the same page. So a subplot, which is also sometimes known as one of your minor stories, it's a side story that runs alongside your main plot often but not always it uses a secondary cast of characters but sometimes it can also use your protagonist but you know often there is a secondary cast of characters and I guess a secondary set of events that happens uh, alongside your main plot which allows us as the authors to inject important information into the main story. That's as a gist what the subplot is. I thought the next logical place to go from that would then be to talk about why subplots are actually important in the first place and why we might want to include them in our story. And also, you know, what you can use them for as well. So did you want to start us off,
0: Sarah? Sure. There are so many different reasons why subplots are important, but I thought that I might just touch on a couple of them. So I know that Ashley touches on a couple of them too. The ones that I think to me are really important, the number one is that i think supports are really pivotal for believability of the story because nothing in the real world ever happens in isolation you know as people we juggle many different relationships and issues so even when one particular thing takes focus in our lives it's not like the rest of the world stops or like The other things that are also important in our lives. As much as we wish they would, (laughs) (laughs) everything about stops for me. Yeah, they happen around this main event that is going on in your life. And so, to make that believable, like for your character, your characters have to have complex lives as well, because otherwise, they and the story as a whole isn't going to feel real to the readers. So, that's one of the main important reasons. Yeah, giving,
1: I guess, context and background around whatever your main plot is.
0: Yeah, if you didn't have them, I feel like the main plot by itself would seem like so focused and just like so condensed that it would feel kind of flat and you'd just be like tracking from like one point of the book to the other without this extra kind of 3D element coming in that makes it feel like you're in a world. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It totally makes sense. And the second reason that I'm going to touch on is to further enhance your theme. I was going to say Sarah loves theme. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, I do love theme. So though your main plot might do a great job of portraying a particular theme or showing the main theme through the character's progression in the main plot line, subplots and secondary characters can help your protagonists and your readers to learn the theme whether it be through a relationship with a secondary character or through a situation unfolding that contrasts the events in the main plot line. So yeah, I think I get hung up on theme mainly because the way I see it is it's the thing that your character has to learn when they go from point A to point B. That becomes your theme. So in order for them to learn this, they need other elements to kind of come in to give them perspective. And that's where subplots can really help. So that's one of the things that I think is also an important function for subplots. I think that makes sense. Well, given theme such an important part of
1: your novel or your story. And I think when we talked about theme in our theme episode from whenever that was, (laughs) we, we did talk about sort of how other characters and things help show your protagonist. The th- well, help your readers see the theme through your protagonist or whatever you're doing. So it makes sense that your secondary characters and secondary plot lines would really help highlight the theme.
0: Yeah. How about you? Why would you say that subplots are important?
1: Well, like you, I decided to touch on a couple because I was researching and looking up stuff about subplots and there was so much information. So like, oh, obviously they're important. I'll just pick a couple. So I picked different ones. I thought firstly, one that really stands out for me about subplots are enabling the author to enhance the characterization of their protagonist, but also some of their secondary characters as well. That's because as you were saying before, I think if you're only focusing on the main plot, it's very confining for your character. There's no room for Mm. them to move. But with a subplot, you're giving a lot more space to your characters you're giving them more situations as well which allows your characters I've written to shine or not shine (laughs) so you can learn a lot more about your character and we both know well everyone hopefully on this podcast knows that Sarah and I love character so it kind of makes sense that uh, your subplots can be used to really reveal a lot more about your characters their motivations their backstory Uh, things like that. So give us a better sense of who they are. So it'd be my first one. And my second one was all about building suspense and tension and a lump pacing in there as well. So you can use... We use subplots for this a lot. You you can use subplots for foreshadowing, for revealing information, which you usually know when authors reveal information. You're like, this is important for something, and you don't know what. So then you're always, you know, waiting. You're like. Is it going to be now? Is it going to be used now? What's this going to be important for? What's going to happen? Uh, So really good at, you know, making that suspense Mm -hmm. and that tension. But you can also do the opposite, which we sometimes have to do with our books because our books are quite fast paced. (laughs) So sometimes you need to bring in one of those, you know, your romantic subplot or one of your other subplots just to give your readers a little bit of a breather. Uh, So it's not that nothing's happening anymore. It's just you've purposefully dissipated some of that tension just to, your readers have a moment to catch their breath before your story continues or ours continue um, in their relatively fast-paced notion. So yeah those are the two (laughs) main ones that I think uh, character and pacing and suspense. So I think that actually brings us quite nicely to the next point which Rewind. While I was researching this podcast, I stumbled into the different types of subplots that are used in writing, which I had never really thought about. That if that I don't know why I don't know why I hadn't thought about it, but for some reason I had just decided subplots were subplots, and you kind of just make some. But I came across as six six main ones, and once I thought we could go through them and sort of talk about the importance of using each one and whether or not we have accidentally used one of these in our stories before without knowing what kind of subplot it was. Uh, and I think hopefully this will give you all as listeners a little bit more understanding about the like, purpose of putting different subplots into your books. So did you want to go? F- I kind of divided them into we'd go through three each sort of how
0: I decided to do it. So Sarah, you can go first. Yeah. So number one is the mirror subplot. So a smaller scale of conflict that mirrors that of what the protagonist is going through. And this provides the protagonist with insight or motivation to overcome their own conflict. And number two is contrasting subplot. So a secondary character faces a similar conflict to the protagonist, but makes different decisions. And this highlights the protagonist's flaws, qualities, and characteristics. Number three is a complicating subplot. A secondary character hinders the protagonist or the protagonist makes a mistake that complicated things for them further. I was just thinking, we definitely use the contrasting subplot. <laughs> I, I think all of these we use to an extent. We just never put a name yeah. to them. <laughs> um,
1: I think the... Well, all of these three, are, or at least the first two, I definitely fit in with the whole uh, subplots, shining a light on your theme. You seem very good techniques yes, for yeah. really showing, what it, well, especially because it focuses on your character and the change in that character and the decisions that they're making. Yeah. So I think those definitely good theme ones. <laughs> Complicating subplot. I don't know, for some reason, it just, I don't know why it makes me laugh, but I'm like, yeah, it's like, if you're like, why did you do this? And then, you know, affects their decisions or
0: whatever. Affects what happens to them later on. I also think that, you know, these subplots that we're listing now, as you'll see with the next three, is that they can cross over a bit. Yeah. Like, complicating subplot to me is probably more of a relationship subplot. Not, not necessarily a romantic one, but you know, like characters have different relationships with different people just as we have different relationships with different people. And sometimes they're not good relationships <laughs> and sometimes that can complicate things. Yes. Sometimes they are good relationships, but that can still <laughs> yeah. complicate things. Yes. So
1: when the rain falls comes to mind, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the, the fourth type of subplot is the romantic subplot, which is one that I did. You know, I did know that one existed, obviously. And that's where a love interest complicates the main plot. And as I kind of just alluded to, we do use this one quite a lot. And I think a lot of people use it. It's an easy subplot to incorporate. It comes very naturally mm-hmm. as well. Yes. Because, yep. well, characters don't exist in isolation,
0: usually. Unless that's obviously the feature of your book. Um, but Um, Yeah, unless it's like some sort of survival story. <laughs> yeah,
1: but even then, often they're hiding for
0: things they had once before right yes that's what I was thinking as well when I was thinking about subplots in general like you know they'll still have memories and they'll still they've still got those relationships of what happened in their past to think about and to influence their decisions so it's not like they're even if they're like one person on an island or you know when you're thinking about what's that I'm trying to think of the movie name, The Guy on Mars. Martian? Yes. <laughs> the Guy on Mars thing.
1: <laughs> I got you, Sarah. I got you. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, even when you're thinking about a book or a movie like that, there's still influences in what he does by wanting to get back to his previous life, which may involve a romantic relationship. <laughs> yes. I was going to
1: say, the, the, the romantic subplot also is quite good for developing character as well. I think it gives a different... Often I find a different view of your character. At least that's what I find in our YA books. Because you've got, like, their when it's time to fight sort of persona and group persona, but then you get a little bit you know of a window into who they are a bit more with some of those romantic subplots, yeah. which is...
0: The one-to-one. Yeah, the one-to-one. <laughs> I like the one-to-one scenes. They're always... No matter who they're with
1: even, (laughs) they're always really good. Right, so the next type of subplot is the parallel subplot. So this is when you have a seemingly unrelated plot line that runs alongside the main story, which eventually collides with the main plot. Um, I always like these. I think about, you know, books that I've read before and I always like the parallel one because you're always like, when is it going to intersect? How does this relate? And we do use this a little bit in our ancient Greece book, at least at the start. Yes. So,
0: yeah. We do. I think all the way through.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just some elements of it, yeah. My my writing critique group really liked the whole trying to figure out how the two stories are going to collide. They're like, I can't wait till they intersect. I know they're going to intersect. I don't know where they're going to intersect, but I can't wait for that to happen. So I think that's, yeah, I think it's good. And also, well, that one, I feel the parallel subplot is very good for the whole tension building aspect of it. Uh, You know, you've got those two plot lines. You don't know how they're going to intersect or what's going to happen when they intersect, but you know they must at some point. So, so yeah, so that's the parallel subplot. And then the last one is the bookend subplot where a minor conflict is introduced near the beginning of the story and then the uh, author doesn't really address it until the main plot is resolved and then the protagonist can use the lessons that he has learned through going through the major conflict to deal with the minor conflict at the end of the book not sure we've used that one trying to think i'm not sure we've used that one before but i like the idea of it
0: i think we're going to use this one (laughs) I'm just thinking about the ancient Greece book again, and I oh yes, I feel that it kind of has elements of that, <laughs> especially with one particular character, one particular secondary character who was introduced at the very start, who we might bring back at the end. Ah, uh, yes. I'm trying to give yes. hints to Ashley without <laughs> giving <laughs> okay. it away. Like, so, yeah. So those are the the six
1: main types of subplots, and they're all very. It's like once you see them written down, you're like, these make a lot of sense (laughs) that they have names. Yes. So I thought we could move on a little bit now into more of the, I guess, the craft of making subplots. Uh, And I thought we could talk a little bit about how first we decide on the subplots to include and then how we go about incorporating them into our books. So, Sarah, you can go (laughs) fast. I've been talking a lot.
0: Okay. So how do we plan our subplots? (laughs) Um, To that, (laughs) all pantsers will be happy to hear. We don't really. (laughs) I think, you know, it's good to have a general idea of where things are heading with the subplots, but we don't really plan them. And I feel like, especially regarding the types, for me, the relationship subplots are the ones that you don't really have to think about too hard because as Ashley said before, They tend to develop quite naturally over the span of the novel, be it a friendship, romantic relationship, or a relationship that causes conflict. There are sometimes subplots that we will purposefully plan. And I feel like these are more like the first kind of three, you know, the ones that aren't necessarily directly related to um, other characters, ones that intersect more with the main plot. Uh, Mm -hmm,
1: I agree. The ones that have an actual bearing on the progression of the plot, sort of, that are necessary, that we identify at the start. Yeah, if we identify
0: these at the start, which yes, (laughs) we don't always... For the YA,
1: not often
0: is the answer. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't run into these more complicated subplots during writing either. And when this happens... We generally realize that it's happening and contact each other, like, hey, so I think it would be cool if this thing happens, but this might snowball later down the road. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we try and look ahead at this new, I'm going to call it a timeline, um, Yeah. which I kind of think of as like a parallel universe when something dramatically changes the planned events. It's like this strange diversion. <laughs> I'm like, if we go down this path, which is really strange when something's already written, actually, and you've got to like a rewrite to a different path, you're like, I'm changing the events of time. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, Anyways, sorry, that's a completely different thing. Uh, (laughs) So we then try to look ahead at this new timeline and try to envision how much damage control we're going to have to do to get things back on track. (laughs) so that's such a good way damage control it is what it it is is. what it
1: is
0: (laughs) you know or if the damage and effects of this one action is actually going to make for a better story then we'll run with it and maybe change the ending slightly so you know it does depend largely on what it is and yeah we kind of just roll with it and we're like hey this would be really cool This is going to have effects on like this, this, and this later (laughs) down the line. But sometimes it ties in really well. You're like, oh, that actually underlines this point that happens further along and like makes it even more dramatic than what it was if we allow this to happen. So when subplots interact with the main plot in that way, I can think it can be quite interesting and useful. (laughs) Definitely. So Ashley what would you say about how we plan it? Do you have anything to add to that? Yes, a little bit. So like you said, I don't. we barely plan any subplots.
1: But if we do plan subplots, it's mostly because they are critical to our overall plot. Most of the subplots that come to mind with respects to this are from our ancient Greece book, which had a lot more moving parts than some of our YA. And that one, we have a few subplots that we did purposefully <laughs> include earlier yes yeah basically but for our YA most of the plots blah blah subplots (laughs) um, are a lot more organic and usually one of us is halfway through writing something and we're like aha (laughs) it is a subplot and I think that's okay because it's hard to when you're in the planning stages you have an idea of where you want your book to go but you don't really know the book particularly intimately yet so it's hard to anticipate everything that's going to happen when it's not written so I think it's okay to just let them happen on their own
0: yeah I'm just thinking back um, to initially when we were teens and planning The, I mean, at that point, I think it was the second book in the series, but it's become now the third book in the series with some of the romantic subplots. I think we did actually plan to an extent certain events that happened with the romantic subplots. Um, Yeah,
1: that's true. I was kind of thinking, because it's a series, a lot of the romantic subplots continue over multiple books. So you've got the groundwork of that subplot already there so when yes. you're planning the next books you're able to you obviously have to build on it yeah and give it some sort of direction but I don't know if we did we initially plan those
0: romantic subplots I don't know if they just kind of happened <laughs> I think we did because or I don't know maybe we did them as we were doing the chapter plan, so. Because I don't think we used to sit down and, like, do the entire, like, book outline. <laughs> no.
1: I remember being like, oh, we're at, like, 40 chapters now. We should probably write the ending. <laughs> so, like, okay. It, I mean, Did in, plan and a that, few in advance, like, it wasn't, we do, like, a few chapters in advance. Yeah, but they only had, like, one line in them. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Carving chapter at camp.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. God knows how we came up with anything. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> how there's any sort of direction. No wonder the subplots developed naturally. The whole entire plot developed naturally <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yes. Um, anyways, we should probably move on to the next question.
1: Yeah. So the natural progression, well at least I thought, was talking about some of the any tips and tricks that we have. Um, to either writing or incorporating uh, subplots into our book, which I think this conversation was naturally heading towards anyways.
0: (laughs) Sarah? My biggest, biggest thing that when I think about subplots, it's like the one thing that I I want everyone to be clear on is that subplots have to serve a purpose. We didn't really originally really know this. I mean, maybe we did it naturally. I don't know. But if you look at the types of subplots that we described earlier, you'll notice that every single one of them actually supports the main plot, whether it's highlighting one specific thing in your main plot or whether it's complicating the character's life. Even relationship subplots do this. So for example, for relationships, this is probably probably intersects most with the main plot at the two-third kind of mark in your novel where the character is in deep shit (laughs) they've got themselves (laughs) in such a tangle with the main plot that they don't think they can go on and if you listen to my review last week of the save the cat right to novel template this is the all is lost point so in these cases some secondary relationships can either complicate things more and make it even worse. So it like combines with the main plot in such a way that it's like devastating. <laughs> um, or some secondary characters might be able to help your protagonist out of the depths of despair. Or I'm trying to remember what she called the point after the, um, the all was lost. I think it was... <laughs> I can't remember, but I remember laughing about it. (laughs) Yeah. Something like their sort of like deepest, darkest night or something. I can't remember exactly what it was called. Yeah, yeah. It was something like that. But where they kind of have to debate about what to do about their sort of all is lost point. (laughs) Yes. And so, you know, whether these secondary characters might physically help or they might simply, through the bond that they've forged, and your protagonist's will to make it out for the sake of that secondary character, provide some sort of motivation for the character to continue. So these subplots can intersect with the main plot at that point um, quite clearly, although you know they do also intersect at points along the way as well. I'm not saying that it's... This is the point where everything happens, which is, I mean, a, a lot does happen there, but not necessarily only there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the good news is, is that you'll often naturally do this, but it always pays when editing to make sure that it's not just some pointless side story that never intersects. Because as readers, we want to know why is this important? And I was going to put it this way. So, if you're having a four-course meal in a restaurant, the starters might not be the main event, but the flavors still have to complement the main dish. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it's I have very to say. About way it. of it. <laughs> it's a very good way of putting it.
1: It's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, so,
0: so what's your tips on writing subplots?
1: I was going to say similar vein, but. I've written, it is a subplot and I've put quotations around the plot. So um, make sure they actually, you know, resolve themselves because they are a plot line, even though they're not the main plot. And it doesn't necessarily have to, you know, if it's a series, that subplot doesn't have to resolve in the first book, but there has to be some sort of satisfying conclusion to, you know, that episode (laughs) of the subplot so that's kind of what I would say and this is especially important because we've talked about how we don't really plan our subplots at all so once you've written that first draft it's really important to go back and check on your accidental subplots that you've probably discovered are there by the time you get to the end of the book and just make sure that they have an ending or at least a an arc, a story arc as well. And that yes, they do intersect with the main plot. So I guess in the edits then, continuing on, that's when you can really flesh out and sort of round out the subplots that you have discovered that you included. Um, and it's also a good point to check, like Sarah said, you have to make sure they actually serve a point. So in those edits, or at least for us, it's a good, you know, chance to make sure that you cut the ones out that are not required sometimes you do that you know you put in little side things and you're like "Mm, they don't need that anymore I'm just gonna delete it yeah (laughs) like it didn't help
0: Um, yeah (laughs) the one that comes to mind is I think I was trying to round off an ending for one of Grace's chapters of the price of pandemonium and I was like a cute like memory or something but it didn't really serve a purpose oh right yeah I know the one you're talking
1: about
0: (laughs) and so Ashley like cut it and changed it to a different ending which was much better and more related to like an actual subplot that was going on and (laughs) the main plot all at once really (laughs) well because once you had ended
1: it like that I was like I really like the ending that you'd put but then I was like it's a memorable ending, though, and I feel like if we keep it, we have to, like, readdress it at some point. Like, Well, it
0: was cutesy, but it just didn't really do anything.
1: <laughs> it was really cute. Um, so, yeah, sometimes, you know, you can get quite attached to little anecdotes and things that you have. So I guess it's a good reminder. If you don't need it, you might have to get rid of it, no matter how much it pains you. <laughs> so... Moving on a little bit, given I was just talking about editing and the first draft and using uh, that as an opportunity to flesh out some of your subplots and remove the ones that are unnecessary, I thought I'd ask the question about whether we ever add subplots in after we've finished either the first draft or multiple drafts or after beta reads, you know, like later on in the piece, whether we ever add subplots. Sarah?
0: We do. And in fact, like when I was thinking of trying to think of specific examples where we have done that, I thought of the most recent where we have started going through that process and darkness set us free by adding in a brand new character. Um, So, (laughs) you know, we've got about four new chapters to create, but it's going to make for an interesting subplot. And I think this one's going to be, hang on, if I look back at the types so I haven't memorized these types. Parallel? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to probably <laughs> yeah. end up being a parallel subplot, which eventually collides with the main plot, which I'm really excited about but it's also going to like i also foresee it creating some awesome new subplots in the next book as well some so spin off subplots <laughs> yeah
1: getting really meta subplots of subplots <laughs> subplots of subplots
0: <laughs> i guess you know every character creates their own like waves in the pool right yeah yeah those waves intersect with the main plots and eventually waves and kind of adds to the the force of it <laughs> <that's> i <it>. said <laughs> yeah so i was trying to think about
1: when we've had like the points at which we've had to add in these subplots and i think most of them have come after beta reads where they've been like this part's boring or this part doesn't really make sense or i want to know a little bit more about this like i wish we spent more time like with this character or whatever and then we're like, okay, let's rethink this. How can, you know, one, do we want to address these changes? And two, what can we do to make this, you know, work better for us and make our overall story better? So I think that's mostly where a lot of our later on, at least subplots have come in. I would agree. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Trying to think back. I do foresee us, we've forgotten some of our, our subplots in the ancient Greece one already that we're going to have to go back and like fix I think a few storylines that have gotten a bit lost. Yeah,
0: um, I mean there were, which is okay. I don't think it's it's too bad because I think we kind of have them in mind. We just need to bring them out a bit more. Yeah, you get a bit. It's a lot happening. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so much happening in the ancient Greece one. It's it's a challenge to juggle everything um, without it being like way too much. So. It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to reading the whole thing once we've got it all done to hopefully see how well it gels. Yeah. Interesting. It'll be, it'll be interesting for sure. The final thing I thought we could talk about, which you kind of touched on already, but we can bring it to the forefront anyways, are some of the things to be wary of when you're using subplots. So yeah, if you wanted to go first. You kind of <laughs> always already. do this.
0: I know. It's okay. <laughs> I always answer the questions before... Like there's an actual question about it later on. But you know what I said before about not having the subplots relate to the overall story. So, you know, you might say a story is the sum of its parts and subplots are a part that is not to be ignored. Also remember that the focus of your story is your main plot. Don't let one subplot overtake the main plot. That's a very good point. <laughs> If this happens, maybe you've been defining the story wrong the entire time. Maybe you actually want to write romance. Or maybe you've picked the wrong protagonist and you need to change your viewpoint. Mm. So those are some things to consider if you find that your subplots are overtaking
1: your main plot. My warning was of a very similar vein about... It's about getting carried away with subplots because I know it can be easy to do. You can indulge yourself a little bit with the subplots, you know, but don't (laughs) do it too much Uh, because one, it can make your stories unnecessarily long and complicated, which maybe that's what you want, but you do. Oh, it's funny. You want to tell your story in the least amount of words as you can and if you have a very long-winded convoluted subplot that doesn't serve too much point uh, you might need to rethink that subplot and tone it back a bit or like Sarah said maybe that's the story that you want to follow instead rather than what you had originally planned so yeah similar similar comments to yours Sarah yeah anything else you wanted to add or should we move on to mistakes of the month I think we can move on to mistakes of the month okay did you want to go first sure
0: I actually have a couple this time Oh yay! Yay, yeah, because I actually did writing. You don't have to, have to laugh at me. <laughs> okay, so the first one—it's uh, not hugely funny—but I wrote, "Certainly, ma'am." The waited said with a nod, instead of waited <laughs> instead of waiter. I was like, "The waited." Whoops! Sounds like it kind of—I was made me think of the movie *The Departed*, but to the waited. <laughs> yes sounds like some sort of weird i don't know almost got a like dystopian kind of feel to it yeah and the next one was cassie uncorked a bottle of shampoo (laughs) (laughs) for some reason whenever i write like this is a really really fancy bottle of shampoo (laughs) Well, I was thinking of like you know when you're opening like a bottle of something for for me like I always want to uncork the bottle because. <laughs> but then I was like, it's shampoo, Sarah, and so it's now like Cassie, un. I can't remember what I put. Or something. Uncapped, I think. Yeah. At first, I
1: wasn't sure which part you got wrong. I was like, was she uncorking? shampoo or did she mistake champagne for shampoo <laughs> in like the dining scene so I was like I don't know which one it is but both are hilarious no
0: she was in the shower with actual <laughs> shampoo and I was like no she can't uncork it unless it's some really as you said fancy type of shampoo <laughs> which would be kind of strange to have a cork it would in be your kind shampoo. Of
1: Yeah, also because I don't think corks and water would go too well. It'd probably just swell and you wouldn't be able to re-cork it
0: again. (laughs) You wouldn't be able to get it out. It's like all swollen and you're like, ugh. That'd be be hard to explain on room service. (laughs) Yeah. I'm currently in the shower. (laughs) Okay, Uncorked my shampoo. I can't get the cork out (laughs) of the shampoo bottle. (laughs) Do you have a bottle opener? (laughs) Okay,
1: sorry. Continue. <laughs> okay. So I only have one, but it is a twofold one. One where the grammar's wrong and also one where the word is wrong. So it's a shame Athens is so weak and the people so desperately poor. Lysander turtled. So it was supposed to be tattered. I love the turtles. But I've also, <laughs> but I've also put a full stop in the dialogue so it's like he said it and then he turtles instead of you know like comma Lysander tutted it's full stop Lysander turtled so <laughs> I don't know how that happened <laughs> but it's amazing
0: it makes you think like if you're thinking about like turtled as an action like I mean I mean number one okay I got two kind of feel- feelings from this was number one I kind of felt like it sounds similar to like someone like chortling or like laughing about (laughs) something except like turtling like a wet I don't know (laughs) but then when you think about like actually the what it might mean as a verb (laughs) then you're like so is he like Crawling into like a shell, or like t- tipping over, laughing about it, or something like.
1: <laughs> it's very unclear. I kind of imagine him like on his turtle shell on his back, like Ehh. yeah,
0: license a turtle
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> on like a shell on his back. That was originally what I kind of imagined.
1: But after you mentioned, this, I guess he could be like tucking into his shell.
0: I don't know. But it, it feels like it should be, like, can we make up a verb for, like, turtling, where it's, like, you roll on your back like a shell and then and chortle?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Someone has to use this. Please. Turtled. Be amazing. I should have kept it. <laughs> Although it doesn't make any sense with the sentence, but... It's so Anyways, amazing. that's my only one, but it's quite good. So I think it's all
0: right. <laughs> yep. Okay, we should probably round this off. Definitely. <laughs> so if you would like to be on our Author Spotlight section, as usual, you can apply by going to our website, lindesoncreations.com, and hovering your mouse over the podcast tab in the main menu, and it will give you a drop dropdown uh, where it will take you to be featured on Dear Writer. And next time on Dear Writer, it's one of our Culturing
1: Creativity episodes where we're actually going to talk about how technology helps us be more creative. And if you'd like to know more about us and our writing projects, you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Linderson
0: Creations. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Tell your friends about us and we'll be back next week. So happy writing everyone.